It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, we're going back to Mailbag Wednesday, now that we're here in the offseason. And I know that yesterday was Mock Draft Monday. It's because we recorded that on a Monday. This episode, we're technically recording on a Tuesday. It's coming out on Wednesday. No matter what day it is, it's Mailbag Day. But before that, we've got some news on the coaching carousel The Bengals have reportedly extended one of their own, and the New York Giants and Carolina Panthers finished their coaching searches, which leaves just the Browns still looking for their head coach. Let's get into the Bengals updates, though, first. The Bengals have reportedly extended special teams coordinator Darren Simmons. There was some speculation early in the day after the New York Giants filled their head coaching position with the special teams coordinator from New England, Joe Judge, that perhaps the Patriots would look to poach Darren Simmons, who's coached some very successful units in Cincinnati and has a ton of experience at the position. Many of you will remember that he interviewed for the head coaching position last year before the Bengals offered the job to Zach Taylor. In addition to Joe Judge landing with the Giants, Matt Rule from Baylor has landed in Carolina and will be the head coach there. But let's focus on Darren Simmons, who's now back in the fold for the Bengals, would likely have been a hot commodity on the open market. Tyler Dragon says that Simmons' contract extension shouldn't be a surprise. He's regarded as one of the best special teams coaches in the league, which for me actually is what makes it surprising, the fact that he didn't test the market, and see what he could get, perhaps from other teams. But there's some loyalty there. Yeah, 18 years with the Bengals, longest tenured coach in Cincinnati right now. And the first of the previous regime, Marvin Lewis's staff, to stay with Zach Taylor. So he likes it in Cincinnati. He must like the way the Bengals are structured. And ultimately, I guess he likes working under Zach Taylor. In his first year of working for Zach Taylor, he had the top-ranked special teams unit according to Football Outsiders by their DVOA metric. That's following a 2018 in which the Bengals were ranked 7th. They had a few rocky years in 2016 and 2017, but in 2015 they were 8th, so that's 3 out of 5 years in the top 10. And this year, just an excellent performance for the entire special teams unit Kevin Huber was great, especially at pinning opponents deep in their own territory. Randy Bullock had a career year. We saw special teams breakout performances from undrafted Stanley Morgan and great performances from return men Darius Phillips 
and Brandon Wilson, who both look like kickoff returners of the future. Yeah, and PFF had them as the number five graded special teams within a decimal point of being number three. So uh, just straight across the board, they were a very, very strong special teams unit in all phases of the game. And this is the first year that I thought uh, Clayton Fedulum, who's been a stud standout the, the previous three years, kind of fell into the mix with some other guys that were down there making plays. Stanley Morgan Jr., a undrafted uh, free agent wide receiver that all of a sudden became a really good special teams player. So there was a lot of guys this year that seemed to stand out and play well. And that's a testament to Darren Simmons. Simmons has coached quite a few special teams pro bowlers in Cincinnati history, including Kevin Huber in 2014, Cedric Pierman in 2015, Clark Harris in 2017 and a couple other times he has coached guys that have led the league in various categories of course Adam Jones in his excellent career as a returner Alex Erickson led the league in kickoff return yardage in 2016 Shane Graham of course went to the Pro Bowl back when they had the kicking skills competition he lost to Neil Rackers in Hawaii that year that's right so generally a very good career for Darren Simmons that will continue now in Cincinnati. And along that thread of special teams news, the Bengals lost a guy from their practice squad to your hometown Bills, Joe. That's right. Kerry Vedvik, who was originally with the Ravens in the offseason and preseason and looked like somebody that wouldn't beat out Justin Tucker, but with a big leg punting experience, kickoff specialist. A lot of teams were interested. They got a fifth round pick from the Vikings. Vikings ended up cutting him. He bounced around a couple other teams. Bengals signed him to the practice squad in December, and it looks like Buffalo just poached him recently. Yeah, Buffalo Bills signed Kari Vedvik, so he will not be around for the kicking competition next year, but at least Randy Bullock will be coming off a career year. Coming up, we've got your second mailbag of the 2020 offseason. Got a lot of questions about Joe Burrow. We've got some other questions just about what the Bengals should do heading into this offseason. We'll tackle both of those in just a bit. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Bengals podcast. Want to go see your Cincinnati Reds this spring during spring training? Well, Arizona is a great place to go, not only see baseball, but to see everything else. And if you go down there and go down for the Cactus League, they've got 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in the greater Phoenix area within 50 miles. Yeah, you can go down and see your Reds in Goodyear Park down there, or maybe 
We've talked about it before. You're into the craft beer. They've got Four Peaks, Angel's Trumpet Ale House, Goldwater Brewing Company, all known for great beer. Or maybe you're into hiking. Maybe you want to get out in the desert for the numerous national parks down there. Go up to the Grand Canyon. And if you do the canyon, make sure you bring enough water because it's the way back. Unlike most hikes, that's challenging. It's easy going down, hard coming up. Kind of the opposite of the Bengals. We had a hard time with this bad year, and we're going to come up next year. So go on down to Arizona. Take yourself a little spring break. Plan your getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. We've got Mailbag Wednesday kicking it right off from J10 at 10FUX. 10 fucks. What happens with Andy Dalton? Is he trading on draft day? What could we get for him? Does AJ want to leave without us keeping Dalton? Yeah, so we've got a couple of different sets of questions here that were dominant today. The first one mostly centers on the quarterback position on the draft, some co- some conversation around Joe Burrow, some questions about Tua's declaration, how that's going to affect the draft. And then we wanted to start with this question because Andy Dalton is kind of at the center of all of it right now, right? So, yes, I think Andy Dalton is either traded or released. I don't mm-hmm. see him being used as a bridge quarterback because that's $16, $17 million that they're paying Andy Dalton and not paying other players that could help that quarterback be a Joe Burrow, most likely, or somebody else get acclimated to the NFL. They could go spend that money on guys like A.J. McCarron have been connected to the Bengals to come in and be a backup. He hasn't found a starting job or really succeeded in any of his competition for a starting job. So there's a chance that you see that reunion in Cincinnati, but I wouldn't really bank on that either. As far as AJ Green, I don't think that he has his fate tied up with Andy Dalton really at all at this point. I think he's made it very clear that he wants to get paid his market value, and we'll just see if the two sides come together or if we have a repeat of the Andrew Whitworth situation, which I just... I hope we don't, because that's going to be really hard if that happens. Yeah, and the last part there that we didn't get to was, what could we get for Andy Dalton? I want to think fairly that probably a third-round pick, and maybe that's a top 12 third-round pick. That sounds great. I don't want it to be a back-half situation, because then you don't really feel like you're getting a lot for a guy that's probably going to start for a couple more years, if, you know, maybe one, but potentially two years. He He's probably going to have to sign a contract. I think you hit on the right point, though. Jake, if you don't cut him or trade him instantly in March, and that's when the options picked up for the next year, it is he's got basically on a year-by-year deal for the Bengals. You're going to have to hold that money, and it's going to account for the for the cap until you get rid of him. It's gonna, not going to cost them anything once they get rid of him. But from that March to late April, when you should be signing free agents, there's 17 million there that you're you think you're going to get rid of if someone calls you and offers a trade. But I can see a scenario where Andy Dalton is just released in March when the new year, new league year starts. Yeah, that could certainly be an option if they can't find a trade suitor. His deal for 2020 is worth $17.7 million. None of that money is guaranteed, although he does have a $200,000 workout bonus. He could be traded for, honestly, at his salary, a very reasonable price for a team that's looking for a bridge quarterback. A team might be interested in extending him depending on where he lands. Joe, what do you think the most popular destinations are? We've heard Chicago, 
That's a right. big one that people have been talking about forever. More recently, and George Iloka kind of started this trend, New England. I've mm-hmm. speculated on Carolina, although I see that as a little bit less likely now. What do you think? I think Tampa makes a lot of sense. If Jameis thinks he's worth $30 million and the comments from their GM of, if I can win with Jameis Winston, I can win with anybody, getting somebody that's not going to turn the ball over not even half as much as Jameis does, uh, could be intriguing. And then you kind of have to wonder what's going to happen with Philip Rivers in, in L.A. And maybe uh, they he retires and maybe Andy Dalton could slide in and start there. And there's the Drew Brees pending decision in New Orleans. So several spots and a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of veteran quarterbacks that could be on the move this year. It'd be interesting if he went down to Tampa and played for Bruce Arians and see if Bruce mm-hmm. Arians can take two former Cincinnati quarterbacks and turn a little magic as he did with Carson Palmer with the Arizona Cardinals. Our next question though, comes from Joe Sheldon transitioning here into some questions about Joe Burrow. Joe asks, does the fact that Joe Burrow mainly plays out of the shotgun concern you? No, it does not at all. You look at it and look at NFL teams and how often they're out of shotgun. Andy Dalton played about 75% of his snaps this year from shotgun you throw almost exclusively out of shotgun in today's NFL unless you're doing some play action uh, from under center, and Joe Burrow has done that in the past. So this isn't a situation where he's never taken snaps under center. This is just a situation where they are a dominant passing team, and they throw the ball a lot, and that's that's what they do and what they do best, so they're going to put him in shotgun. And it's not like he's never been under center, and it's not like this is the same concern it was 10 years ago. Exactly. Right. This is not really a check mark for quarterbacks anymore the way it used to be. It used to be these guys were in a spread offense out of shotgun and almost no running game. And they're, they're an empty backfield a lot, too. It was just quick screens and things like that. Colt McCoy in, in Texas and even Andy Dalton at TCU uh, were just quickly throwing the ball um, out to the receivers and letting it run. There was no drop back progression reading the field for them. That's just not that's not it anymore. The systems have been married and now it's very pro style. Next questions from BZ at Burke Franklin. Do you see a realistic scenario where Joe Burrow could come in rookie year and lead the Bengals to the playoffs like Andy Dalton did? I think absolutely. I could see that happening if they do the off season in a certain way, if they lose AJ green, if they don't address the offensive line, if they don't address any improvements at all on the defensive side of the ball via veterans in free agency, then it's a little bit tougher. But if they can start to patch one solid signing onto the defense and onto the offense, if they hit the draft well, if the coaching staff continues to progress, Joe Burrow's really, really good. And with the skill players on the Bengals, if Joe Mixon continues the way he finished the year, they get A.J. Green back. If A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Mixon can be on the field with Joe Burrow, maybe a rookie, a skill player, I mean, maybe that's enough to get the offense over the hump. That requires the Bengals to treat the offseason in a certain way, though, and that's where the realism question comes into play. But is Joe Burrow good enough? I think he's very pro-ready, and he looks like he should come in and hit the ground running. Yeah, and this is much more common in modern NFL than it used to be. It used to be 
a rookie quarterback never came in and didn't even start usually, but uh, definitely didn't bring guys to the playoffs. Dan Marino and Bernie Kosar in the mid eighties, um, Jim Everett in the eighties. And then it was big Ben in 2004. So you, you went almost 20 years and then it was Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco and Mark Sanchez, Andy Dalton, Andrew Luck, Robert Griffin, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. I mean, the list started growing tremendously with, with still active quarterbacks, uh, so, yes, it could happen. And, it can, and, in fact, you get kind of a boost. We talked about this before. With a cheap rookie quarterback, if you go and push the envelope and really bolster this roster, you could get back in that contention for the playoffs. Yeah, and that, again, goes into the whole offseason approach. We'll have to see what the Bengals do there. We still haven't seen any significant changes to the coaching staff. If they just run it back, well, then we have to see if they are more cohesive in year two. And there's still a lot of questions to be asked there. But the other reason that I think is realistic is that the AFC still does not look very strong, especially for those last two wild card wild card spots. It was Buffalo and Tennessee this year, but New England wasn't very good. They look to be falling off hard, especially if Tom Brady retires. I, I mean, I never really want to bet against Bill Belichick. They're going to return a lot of that defense, and they'll probably hit the ground running with another quarterback. But there's an opportunity in the AFC is certainly not as deep as the NFC right now. Our next question staying on the Joe Burrow train, the quarterback train stripe city asks if Trevor Lawrence was in this upcoming draft, would there even be a discussion for Joe Burrow is Lawrence really that much better? It would be a discussion because Burrow has outplayed Trevor Lawrence this year, but when you're looking at age, because that would be a factor, Lawrence, two back-to-back national championship games at 19 and 20 years old, and you'd say he's doing this at 20, he did this last year at 19. Yeah, that's tremendous. This guy is going to be, he's the Andrew Luck, right? He's the guy that every 10 years you say, this is the guy as a freshman, he's going to be the first overall pick as soon as he's draft eligible because he can move, because he can throw, he's smart, he has anticipation, he's got the character, he has won, he has played big and big games. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is good. He's that guy you want to draft. The thing is, uh, you'd like his production to be a little bit better. You'd like him to be in more pressure situations. Besides that final game or two games at the end of the season, he really doesn't have them at all. I remember uh, the North Carolina game this year where they came back and won at the end, and his coach said, I was glad to see Trevor in that situation because I've never seen him down before in a game. And, like, that's crazy, right? You want to see that from this guy more often. Uh, not that's If that's the biggest knock he got on Lawrence, that's – great but at the same time burrow has outplayed him this year it would be a discussion on upside versus current production and i think that some of those same questions though are fair for joe burrow in terms of have you seen him in the pressure situation this year not very often a couple times yes he's had some big drives and big moments to win games but a lot of times he's just dominating you from the get-go and it's never really a contest just look at the oklahoma game which, again, not a knock on Burrow, but a lot of people are saying, I want to see Burrow under pressure. I want to see him in a tight situation. I want to see him have to lead his team when they know you're going to pass. And that is a challenge that we haven't seen a ton of from Joe Burrow. So a lot of the same questions for both. But when you talk about production, it's probably worth noting that Trevor Lawrence is nearly as efficient as Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow is doing some unprecedented things, but... Lawrence doing it at 20, still putting up elite PFF grades. Yeah, For me, if it's a comparison between Lawrence and Burrow, even after this year, 
it's Lawrence going away. Yeah, I think Lawrence still would go number one. But I think they'd go one and two, and people would be moving up to get him. And that's even with knowing Chase Young's still in this draft. Yeah, there's another similar question asking about Joe Burrow versus Tua and upside versus the the more sure thing because that's what people seem to think about Joe Burrow right now. And I think that's a good conversation that we'll have to have at some point. And if Tua wasn't hurt, it would be a much more interesting conversation, I think. Yeah, next question has to do a little bit about Tua and the effect on the draft after he declared it's from Burrow to Bengals at Bengals underscore action. With Tua declaring for the draft, do the Bengals' odds of trading down go down? Seems like the Dolphins were the only team with a po- with the power to trade up to number one. I think that that is not entirely true. I think the Dolphins certainly have the most ammunition, but there are some other teams that if they package their first-round picks this year, their second-round pick this year, and a couple firsts in the future, they could do it. Just look at Washington a few years ago. Right, out I of think, nowhere. I think it was Kyle Krabs on the draft network did a piece a few months ago that he recently reposted on Twitter where he kind of looked at the recent trades that teams moved up for quarterbacks in the early part of a draft to see what kind of value teams returned. So you could look at that to see kind of what other teams might have to give up. I think this is a really interesting question though. I think that most people have Joe Burrow written in pen at number one at this point, but The way this happens, the way the trade down happens is if the Bengals fall in love with a different quarterback and don't Mm -hmm. like Joe Burrow and they think, "Ah, you know, I think that somebody else is going to trade up for Burrow or Tua and and I'm going to get the other one at pick two or pick three. And that's the only scenario that I really see them looking to trade down. The Dolphins, though, I think are going to have to trade up if they want to secure their chance of picking their quarterback of choice. It's funny how the top 10 has kind of played out after after the Bengals secure number one, and then it's all the way to number five before the Dolphins. But then you have, I mean, I guess the Lions could be interested. They I don't could. think they will be. But you have the um, you have the Bucks, you have the Chargers, you have the Panthers, and all these teams could make a power move to get up ahead of the Dolphins, which I think would make a lot of sense. The team that's picking number three right now, unless they want Jeffrey Okuda, which they could, but it's a good corner class also. Maybe you drop back a couple, and maybe you still get Okuda and let somebody come up and get uh, to a over top of the Dolphins. And I think the Dolphins are going to have to be aggressive in securing that number three spot. They could be just bidding against themselves. Yeah. Just the fear of somebody else coming up and they go up for number three. Could happen. As far as the Bengals' odds of trading down going down, they're minuscule to begin with, I think. I agree. I, I think that the Bengals will not trade out of this spot unless something crazy happens. So I don't know that Tua declaring really moves the needle much just because the odds were so low to begin with. We've got a bunch more questions to get to, though, looking at other offseason decisions, other general questions about the Bengals, the future of the fan base. Uh, I know there are some fans that are concerned that this team might not be in Cincinnati if that lease comes up and they don't have a new agreement in place. So we'll talk about that and a little bit more here in just a minute. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 
jumping right back in. This next question comes from Achille Siasen at New Day underscore Who Day. How do we educate new fans about the team's past and history when we haven't had a lot of success and exist in a smaller market? Beyond winning a solid decade, how can the fan base grow and what needs to happen? I think that there are some things that the family can do to improve their relationship with the city and improve the fan experience, not just on game day, but in general, being a Cincinnati Bengals fan. And all they have to do is take a look at the team next door, the baseball team across the plaza there at the banks. The Reds do it right. The Reds have their Hall of Fame. They've got statues up to players. They've got banners. They've got great fan engagement. They've got Reds Fest going on, I think, pretty soon here before spring training starts. The Brown family could stand to engage with fans at a higher level, more vocally, doing less of the, you know, the actions showing, you know, and doing more of more actions, I guess, because the only engagement we really get from Mike Brown is, is, during the season, when else are you engaging with the Bengals outside of, you know, content like this? Right. And Paul Brown said winning makes believers of us all. And it's true because if they win and if they play exciting brand of football, people will come, people will watch. I see random posts on different social media of this is the first Bengals game I've ever watched. Wow. They played the Dolphins to the end. I, I really enjoyed it. I think I'm going to be a Bengals fan or I've really enjoyed watching Joe Burrow. And if the Bengals draft him, I'll be a Bengals fan. Things like this seem to happen. Whether you like tiger-striped helmets or they played a good game or had a Chad Johnson when you were a kid, all of a sudden you like the Bengals, and that's how it works. But that's just hooking the fish. They really need to to sink it by showing that they are trying to win, trying to be competitive, that they're swinging at the plate and not just standing up there looking for a walk, right? They need to uh, really play exciting brand and, and make exciting moves That'll keep people interested in the team. I've seen a lot of people that were in their, let's say, early 30s, maybe late 20s, that really enjoyed this last stretch of Bengals fun football. Then they get to the point of, well, are they ever going to win? Because this, the moves they make don't look like it. I'm kind of getting disinterested again. So that's the cycle it takes. We're in that section now. I think a drafting of a Joe Burrow and a reigniting of this team and the energy goes a long way in creating new fans and bringing back old fans. And I really think that fan engagement and modernizing the franchise generally will go a long way too. You look at the franchises that have done those sorts of things and they're getting mm-hmm. a lot more fan engagement, I think, at a general level. Our next question, though, getting into some of the free agency contracts and looking into the future for some of the other players on the team, Sean Mosser asks, what kind of contract do you think would be a good value to re-sign John Ross? Right, so let's think they don't want to pick up this fifth-year option, right? And they don't want to pay him an exorbitant amount of guaranteed money. They say he's healthy in the offseason. Let's give him a decent contract. I think if you want to say three years at about seven million each, so let's say let's say let's three years three years twenty million dollars. I think that's probably what he'd get in the open market. Some team would take the chance or take the opportunity to get a speed, probably number three or number four. I wonder, you know, we'd have to look at what Ted Ginn makes, what Mike Wallace made down at the end, uh, Marquise Goodwin for the 49ers, John Brown with the Ravens last year, which I think could be a, a comparable contract, and then John Brown with the Bills this year, because I do think teams would be interested in that type of guy. These guys hang around a long time, and I think that'd also be a fair deal for him um, with a three-year reset on here. We, we want you to be part of this team. We want you to continue to develop 
but we're obviously not going to pick up that big money contract for the fifth year. Yeah, there's quite a wide variety of contracts for those types of players. Ted Ginn in the 3.6 million APY. John hmm. Brown closer to eight. Deshaun Jackson higher than that. So somewhere in that range probably falls John Ross, whose first round pedigree will elevate him a little bit. But his lack of health track record and production track record will probably bring him down a little bit as well. So next question is from New Day Dusty at Dusty Balls 08. Did we see enough of Drew Sample to consider him a bust, or is there still hope? I think there's absolutely still hope. I mean, we talked mm-hmm. about before the season with Drew Sample, this is a developmental pick. A, because he's a tight end and tight ends take time to acclimate, and B, because he just wasn't really used the way you would like to see a tight end used at Washington. Now, this year, there's a tight end prospect of Washington who's likely to be picked in the first or second round, who succeeded Drew Sample and has been successful out there, but it doesn't change the fact that Drew Sample just wasn't used in the passing game, tested well as an athlete. They liked him enough to go get him, and so we'll have to see if he's going to develop. And as a tight end, sometimes that doesn't even happen on the rookie deal. So I think right. too early to call it a bust, but I'm not necessarily holding my breath either. I read an article last year, I think it was on Roto World, about tight ends on their second contract are when they hit their their peak. Like a running back is your rookie contract, right? Receivers off very often the second half of that rookie contract. Tight ends are on the second contract where you finally say, okay, the C.J. Uzama guy's finally hitting his stride. And I, I would have said that for the first four years of Uzama. He got better every single year until he was worthy of an extension. Now he didn't have, a, didn't have the best year this year, but he's a solid number two tight end. For Drew Sample, like you said, he wasn't used a lot in the passing game. Uh, I think the, the contention or the thing that put him off on the wrong foot was how much the Bengals reached for him, where this was a really good tight end class and a lot of guys that were drafted behind him outperformed him this year. The other note for him, though, is that he, by the time he was hurting on IR is when the rest of the team found their footing and the Bengals started to realize what everyone could do on this team. He was playing when they had no idea who anybody was, right? And they just had everybody square pegs, round holes in the first half of the season. Sample was part of that. And maybe if he was healthy in the second half of the year, they would have figured out better ways to use him and get him the ball. But we don't have that. So as of right now, we just have to wait and see what he is. He's a he's a bonus pick at the, for a team that's not good. Spending a premium pick, hard to say that, hard to swallow that pill. But he is a bonus pick, and just you hope that he becomes anything at this point. That's going to conclude this portion of the mailbag in this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We do have a couple other questions that we're going to get to tomorrow, barring some changes in the news, and that is how the Bengals should focus on free agency in terms of if you had to pick one position group. Which way would you go? Where would you focus your attention in free agency? And then a question about Wade Phillips. Quite a few people asked after his dismissal from Los Angeles whether he would be a good fit in Cincinnati. And if he's still available tomorrow, if the Bengals don't make some other coaching moves, we'll talk about that then. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 